Welcome to Restored for Life with Pastor Ben Harris, the senior pastor at Restored Community Church, where God's perfect word restores imperfect people. Here's today's message from Pastor Ben. We left off with Joseph's brother, Judah, who became the spokesman, really, for the, for the family. He had suggested the idea of selling Joseph into slavery originally, over 20 years ago. Uh, he pleads to, for mercy from his brother in disguise, Zapnath Panea. Of course, it's Joseph. He doesn't know it's Joseph. He, he knows him only as Zapnath Panea. And um, as you know, uh, or may recall, he put, uh, Joseph put the silver cup inside of Benjamin's sack, and Benjamin got busted for theft. And now Joseph says, he's got to stay here with me. He's going to be my slave. Well, this just sets the ten brothers off. There's no way they can go home without Benjamin uh, with them. And so finally their hearts are broken. Finally now they're admitting what they did was wrong. And now finally they're reaching beyond themselves. And Judah says, listen, sir, please take my life in exchange for my little brother. Let him go home. I can't show up. It'll kill my father. And, and, and so let him go home and take me and I'll be your slave for the rest of my life. Do with me what you will. But please, let, let Benjamin go home. This is the definition of repentance. Remorse of actions, number one, plus change of heart equals repentance of sin. We can say, oh yeah, we're sorry we did that to you and move on. That's not repentance. Repentance means that you're actually showing remorse over what you did and that there's a change of heart. I'm not going to do that anymore to you. That's true repentance. As a reminder, the meeting we're witnessing here between Zapnath slash Joseph and his 11 brothers is taking place in Joe's palace home in front of all his staff and slaves. And now Joseph is about to reveal himself announcing his true identity to his siblings who believe Joseph died a long time ago at their hands. Joseph now wants to clear the room so he can drop a bomb and begin the process of forgiveness and reconciliation with these brothers. The tension in the room is so thick you can cut it with a knife. The faces of forgiveness in this story. Letter A, we see the face of fear. Chapter 45 Verse 1, then Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood by him, and he cried out, make everyone go out from me. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. The staff, the servants, they're all, they all leave the room. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard it. Joseph is so emotionally charged that while he's, his command staff has left the room, they can still hear the wailing of tears and his words echo throughout the palace. 25 years of pain and suffering, both physically and emotionally, are going to explode from his lips in perfect Hebrew. Remember, to this point, he's only spoke to them through an interpreter because he doesn't want to give away that he is actually an... Verse 3. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed in his presence. Can you imagine what went through? They don't even have words. 
Zapnath Paneah just spoke to us in our, in our language, our own language. Imagine their utter surprise. Imagine the words falling on their ears in perfect Hebrew and the disbelief, the questions that suddenly flooded their minds. Why did he speak through an interpreter? And now their hearts almost fail them and they're beating so hard that they sound like war drums announcing their imminent death. After what they did to this man, surely he will kill them right now. Fear now consumes them. They can't even speak. In fact, they're not going to speak most of this chapter because they can't catch up to what he just said. And, they can't, and they're trying to, what does this mean to us? We're dead. They have no words for Joseph for a while. Verse 4, And Joseph said to his brothers, Please, come near to me. They're standing off. That's how you talk to a king-like figure. You didn't walk up to him. He'd kill you. So they came near. Then Joseph said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. They're sorry. They're grieved over the stupidest decision they ever made in their entire lives. And now, surely Joseph would exact the revenge of these ten brothers to, that they richly deserve. Letter A, we saw the face of fear. But then, letter B, we see the face of mercy. Verse 5, but now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For these two years, the famine has been in the land and there are still five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity. That word posterity means a remnant. God has always provided for Israel. There's always been a remnant of Jews in the land. He has never taken all of them out. There's always been a remnant. I preserved a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. You see, Joseph is a big picture guy. He's not just looking at, you did this to me. No, he's stepped back and he's looking at it from 32,000 feet. And he's going, they did this to me, but really God sent me here so that I could go before everyone and He would speak to me a plan that would save the lives of perhaps millions of people. It wasn't just the Egyptians. The countries around it would be preserved through the wisdom of Joseph. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. And He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. Notice Joseph does not seek revenge here. There isn't even a hint of it. He sees God's purpose in this. Jesus only calls us to repentance and forgiveness and His love. There is no probation period to be served out for our sin when we come to Jesus. He doesn't say, well, I'm not going to listen to you until I've punished you for your sin. No, because of His great love for us, immediately, he gives us grace and mercy just like Joseph. He's a picture of Christ. Verse 9, Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, Thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen. Goshen was, had the best grazing. Still does to this day. Goshen, you'll have the best place 
that there is in Egypt. I'm going to provide for you, Dad. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen and you shall be near to me, you and your children, your children's children, your flocks and your herds, and all that you have. I want you close by, Dad. I've missed you more than two decades. I have not seen your face or spoken to you. Verse 11, Therefore, uh, I will provide for you, lest you and your household and all that you have come to poverty, for there are still five years of famine. And behold, your eyes and the eyes of my brother, Benjamin, see that it is my mouth that speaks to you. This isn't Zapnath Panea anymore. This is your son, Joseph, speaking to you. So you shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt and of all that you have seen. And you shall hurry and bring my father down here. Go home. Get dad. Don't delay. Get him down here. I want to see him. While these brothers had wounded Joseph deeply, while they had shown him no love, no consideration for his life 25 years ago, Joseph offers them radical and unconditional grace, just as Jesus offers all of us, anyone who comes to Him seeking to be restored. Not punishment for our sin, but grace. Yes, welcome into the family. All that I have for you is yours. Grace is getting what we don't deserve. God's love, God's provision, God's blessing for our life, and so much more. Joseph not only forgave them, he offers them grace, just as God offers those who come to Him grace. We see the offer of grace in proximity to Him in verse 10. You shall be near Me. The grace of proximity. We get to come into God's corpse. We get to be with our dad, our father. And then we see the grace in his provision to us. Joseph says, I will provide for you. God says, I'll take care of your needs. And then we see grace in purpose of life. Verse 13, you, so you shall tell of all my glory. And isn't that our job? Isn't that our privilege to go out from here and tell of God's glory in our lives? Listen, I want to tell you about Jesus and what He did to my life. I want to go and tell. And that really is the mission for every believer. To know God and to make Him known. Those two things. Go and tell. Do you feel alone in the world? God wants you to come close to Him. Do you have an emotional, financial, or relational need? He wants to provide for you, as Joseph said. But you will never understand these questions until you turn your life over to Christ. Then you get the answer to these and more. Letter C, we saw the face of grace. And letter D, we see the face of restoration. Verse 14, Then he fell on his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept on his neck. Moreover, he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. And after that, his brothers talked with him. Finally. This wasn't a time for explanations or excuses. This was a moment of pure love and compassion. Their tears flowed like the Jordan River at flood stage. As Joseph went to each of his ten brothers, they embraced and wept on each other's necks. His guilt was exchanged for grace and mercy. 
Can you imagine carrying that weight around for 25 years? Every morning you woke up with the fact that you did this to your little brother and to your father. And every night, it was the last thing you thought of. I wish I could go back and change this. I can only imagine what this powerful moment of forgiveness and reconciliation must have looked like. 20 plus years of pent up emotions and regrets only to be offered a second chance at redemption and a relationship with their long lost brother. Another chance to right the wrong that they had committed, not only with their brother, but against their father. We sometimes think of only what the brothers did to Joseph, but there's another person here that they wounded so deeply. It's beyond description. Their father collapsed when told that Joseph is dead. To say that he was sad is such an to underestimate his emotion. He was distraught beyond words. And all through this, every once in a while, Jacob speaks of Joseph fondly and wishes that he could see him just one more time. He'd never healed after two decades. Dad is still in sorrow for his son. But now these boys have a God-given opportunity to wash the blood off their hands, the nightmare from their memories, the weight of sin and guilt from their heavy hearts could all be gone now because Joseph lives. Joseph is alive. You see, we've stained our garment with sin because we're sinners. Our garments are filthy. But Jesus came down to earth and lived perfectly. His garment was completely white. Jesus is perfect. And what I call the glorious exchange, Jesus offers to trade garments with you He wants to take your sin, your garment of sin and failure, everything. And He wants to put on your garment. And He wants to give you His garment in exchange. Holy righteousness. As if you'd never done anything in your lifetime wrong. And then Jesus wore that garment, that stained garment to the cross. And He bled and He died for your sin. He paid the debt that you and I should have paid for ourselves. He took that to the cross. And there, the Gospel tells us that it was crucified. So there was forgiveness with the Father. God doesn't send anyone to hell. That's a misnomer. God's desire is that we would all receive His forgiveness. Joseph didn't punish his brothers. His desire was to restore the brothers. There was never even a word of punishment. In number one, we saw the faces of forgiveness. And now we move on to number two, where we see the celebration of forgiveness. They've gone through this moment of tense conversation. They weep. They cry for the years that they were apart. I think Joseph cried for the guilt that these brothers carried all these decades on their hearts. I think he cried for his father who back in Canaan never forgot him. Letter A, we see the celebration of promises. No doubt some of the servants in Joseph's house lingered by a doorway in order to eavesdrop on the conversation. How could they help it? I mean, this is such a tense moment. This is like, you know, better than any movie they'd ever seen because there weren't movies back then but this is better than any story that ever been told it's it's playing right in front of their eyes 
It didn't take long for the news of what was going on there to reach Pharaoh's ears. Somebody goes, go tell Pharaoh what's happening here. Verse 16, Now the report of it was heard in Pharaoh's house, saying, Joseph's brothers have come. So it pleased Pharaoh and his servants well. Why? Because Joseph is a national hero. They revere Joseph. They know they'd all be dead of hunger long ago if God hadn't sent this man, Joseph, to come and give us this plan for survival, surviving these seven years of famine. He's a national hero. He's an international hero. His, his fame has spread to the countries around. The only reason Canaan and these other countries are eating is because of what Joseph had planned those first seven years when there was plenty, plentiful. And so he's a national hero. And so when your national hero gets good news from his family, you celebrate with him. You want to be a part of it. And boy, Pharaoh is a big part of it. So it pleased Pharaoh and his servants well. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, Say to your brothers, I'm going to give you some words here, Joseph. Say these words to your brother. Do this. Load your animals and depart. Go to the land of Canaan. Bring your father and your households and come to me. I will give you the best of the land of Egypt and you will eat of the fat of the land. Now you are commanded, do this. Take carts out of the land of Egypt for your little ones and your wives. See, no one could authorize this. You can't use the boss's Ferrari unless he gives you permission. And the boss just gave him permission. Bring your father and come. Also, do not be concerned about your goods, for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. This is Pharaoh talking. He wants to celebrate and honor this man who he's come to love as a father. He wants to meet his family. Man, if Joseph is like this, I can't wait to meet his brothers. He yeah, might have a disappointment coming, but <laughs> hey, he didn't know that at the time. He says, don't bring your junk with you. We're going to set you up with everything you can imagine, everything you need. Pharaoh wanted to honor the hero of Egypt's family with everything they needed. Verse 21, Then the sons of Israel did so, and Joseph gave them carts according to the command of Pharaoh, and he gave them provisions for their journey. Letter A, we saw the celebration of promises through Pharaoh and, and Joseph. And then letter B, we see the celebration of gifts. Now there's going to be gifts given by Joseph. Verse 22, He gave to all of them, Joseph gave to all his brothers, to each man, changes of garments. But to Benjamin, he gave 300 pieces of silver and five changes of garments. They had sold him for 20 pieces of silver. He would now give Benjamin 15 times that amount as a welcome home gift. Joseph also provided them with wagons of food and everything you could think of for the journey there and back. Verse 23, And he sent to his father these things, ten donkeys loaded with the good things of Egypt. And not only that, he sent him ten female donkeys loaded with grain, bread, food for his father for the journey back. Guys, don't get into this. This is for dad. When you, when you get home and you're coming back this way, all this food's for dad. I'm going to bless him. 
So he sent his brothers away and they departed. And he said to them, see that you do not become troubled along the way. Now, if you read this in Hebrew, here's what it means. Don't argue. Don't quarrel. Don't start fighting on the way home. All is forgiven. Why would we dredge this up again? Guys, on your way home, don't do that. Just go home and be happy and be grateful for the way life has turned out. Don't argue and and quarrel. That's what Jesus tells us. He takes our sin and guilt and buries them in the deepest sea and hangs a sign there that says, no fishing. Don't bring it back up. He's forgiven you. Letter B, we saw the celebration of gifts. And letter C, we see the celebration of revival. Verse 25, Then they went up out of Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to their fa- Jacob their father. Then they went up out of Egypt and came to the land of Canaan to Jacob their father. And they told him saying, Joseph is still alive. And Jacob's heart stood still. So as soon as he, they talk, you know, Jacob's, Joseph's alive. He's at Napnea. And Jacob's heart stood still because he did not believe them. Verse 27, but when they told him all the words which Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the carts which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. There was revival. The eleven brothers did as Joseph instructed. They went home to tell their father Jacob the news. I imagine that two-week trip took forever. It's obvious by our description from Scripture that Jacob was stunned and completely overwhelmed by the news. In verse 26, we learn that Jacob's heart stood still. At this point on that day, Jacob is 130 years old. I imagine at first Jacob had a hard time believing the story his sons relayed to him, but there was no denying the royal wagons pulled by royal horses, the royal food. But note here, dad doesn't dance because he thinks he won the lottery. I'm going to live in the best place. I'm going to have the best land. I'm going to have, I'd be close to, I'm going to have all this food. I'm going to have, I'm going to be taken care of. I won't want for anything. He could have celebrated that, but he doesn't. It's not what his words say. It is enough. Joseph, my son, is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. That's all he wants is to see his son. He didn't care about any of this other stuff. The love of Jacob for his father is great too. Or for Joseph, Jacob's love, or Joseph's love for his dad. He says, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? Well, they're stunned by I am Joseph. Joseph's concern is, tell me my father's alive. I want to see him. And then in 13, he says, you shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt and of all that you have seen, and you shall hurry and bring my father down here. Go home, get him, bring him back. I want to see him. Joseph loved his dad. You see that in everything that he gave him and all the, the way he talks about him. He was 130 when he was reunited on this day with Joseph. And he died at 147 years old. So he had 17 years that he got to spend with his reunited family. 17 years that he got to know his grandsons from Joseph through Joseph, Ephraim and Manasseh. No doubt the ten sons confessed to their father what they had done to Joseph. They gave an explanation and no doubt repented. He forgave them. But 17 years later, on his deathbed, Jacob would hold court over these sons 
And they would hear the uncomfortable truth about their future and what God had in store for them. God always has the final say. They would stay there, this generation, as honored guests, but with each generation, they would fall and slip a little bit until one day a pharaoh arose and made them slaves. And for 400 years, they would be in Egypt. 400 years, God was working in them to bring them to the point that they were ready to go into the promised land. And not a minute before. God is preparing you and me for something. And as I've said throughout this whole work of Joseph, this life of Joseph, He's writing your story. He's writing the story of mankind, of human. He's writing that story. But you know what? You have a chapter in that story. He's given you a chapter to live out in that story. Live it well. Every day you wake up, understand, I'm going to write a little more of my chapter that day with God's grace and His help. Make it a good one. Let's pray. Father God, we thank You for the promise that we have that we can know You, we can come back to You, and while we are sinners, that You offer us grace and mercy. You gave us both the day that Jesus went to the cross with our sins, and He bled and He died. And He offers now, You offer now, a complete exoneration of all guilt and sin if we would reach out and accept it. We can come into the relationship with You again and be restored as Joseph was and the brothers were restored to their family, we can start afresh and anew. Thank you for Jesus and the promise that He brings to us. And it's in His name we pray. Amen. Restored for Life is a radio ministry brought to you by Restored Community Church. Visit RestoredCommunityChurch.org to learn more about Pastor Ben Harris and for service times. Join Pastor Ben next time as we set out on a journey to discover the authentic life as Christ's followers through obedience to His Word.